Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So I did make good on my promise. Mm -hmm. I deleted Twitter. Wow. I still haven't deleted Twitter, but I haven't actually used it in like five years. Which is just as good. Just as good, maybe worse. I don't know. But uh, it was funny. The other day, I did go. I was doing my uh, regular routine of checking all the stupid websites to check. And I almost opened Twitter and I was like, wait. I don't have an account anymore. And it was in that moment that it felt so much more freeing. Because when I actually deleted the account, (laughs) when I actually deleted the account, it just felt not so momentous. Like I was expecting confetti to pop out of my computer or something like that. Like, congratulations, you broke the curse. Little Um, blue birds fly out of your computer and then explode into confetti. Into doves. Blue birds explode into doves. That's Anyways, um... Mind-melting. But, um... In case you would like to somehow keep up, uh, you can email ramblepack64 at gmail.com and uh, ask me if you can get access to the Discord. There are some rules regarding the Discord and behavior and such, but otherwise, it's small and it's quiet compared to some others, but it's actually it actually hasn't been too bad so far. We've got some people... Basically, it's like some of my close friends do actually talk on there. So, And we're trying to get Steve to be more regular on there, but it requires him to be more at a desktop, I think. Well, I mean, I have my I have it on my phone, but then I don't have the notifications. And, and you don't want Discord notifications on your phone. Like, yeah, I don't want to get notified every time somebody posts in a group. So, it's we'll, we'll get Steve on there. It'll be better than Twitter. It will be. Then you can, like, just the random stuff that we chat about, you can just be privy to that. And potentially participate in Smash Brothers Nights, because we've played Smash Brothers a few times. So it's a a positive move on the whole. And there we go. I highly recommend, if you are on Twitter, uh, get off of Twitter, because it sucks. Um, Twitter does especially suck. Like, there aren't even, like, cute baby pictures on there. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Making reference to a Facebook post of mine in which I brought up that people commonly complain about baby pictures, but you know what? I don't care about your political hot takes. I don't care about your whatever you think is important. Just show me your baby pictures. Actually, I would like to see more actual political hot takes. And, And not just like the same 10 memes just recycled and regurgitated. That would be nice too, even actually. But uh, anyway, baby pictures are better. Baby pictures. Um, but anyway, so as for like stuff you want to hear us talk about, uh, assuming you want to hear us talk about, which I mean, that's why you're listening, right? I would assume that somebody who's listening at least tolerates listening to us talk. And there's at least even three when I'm a little bit congested. Listen. Yeah, I'm a little bit congested today. There's at least three people that listen. I'm still uh, tolerable, but. Um, yeah, so it's become insane. Like, so many things just came out towards the end of August, and things it's are still brutal. coming out in September, and there's even more coming out in October. Like, it's I, I just it's winding down into October and November, but it's still brutal. It's, you know what? I hate it, and I'm also excited. Mm-hmm. Um, I have just not been excited for very much that had come out this year so far. Yeah, there's, there's there not, was good stuff in the beginning of the year. 
Yeah, that's right. The, the beginning of the year started out. We got Devil May Cry, Kingdom Hearts three, Resident Evil two, Resident Evil two. Um, Judgment was good, but unfortunately, I had played Yakuza Zero and Yakuza Kiwami, and playing three Yakuza team games in a row really does dilute the impact of it. So where before I would have probably been like really invested in it, now it's like this is pretty cool. I'm liking it. It's a good story. It's a it's it's a Yakuza game. And as a result, it doesn't feel as special. But at the same time, like, it's like so condensed. I don't remember the last time there were so many games coming out that I wanted to play Yeah. in a month. Now, some of them are re-releases. I had to skip out on Metal Wolf Chaos, which we never got in America, but my friend did get on his modded Xbox when we were, in, when I was in college. So I'm familiar with Metal Wolf Chaos. Um, and then you have there was other re-releases, weren't there? Wasn't there? When's the mana that mana oh, re-release of a game that we never got? That was got? in June. Yeah. That, oh, the the fi- the remake remake is next year. That's next year. Okay. But if you get collection of mana, you can play the original Super then, Famicom version with an American. And then the Dragon Quest, Quest, Dragon Quest Quest remake. Dragon Quest is coming out. Port. Uh, the port. That's coming out. The port is coming out soon. Is. Two weeks, I think that's the twenty seventh. Yeah, which I'm obviously going to skip that one. Yeah, because you already got it on PS4. Yeah, we got it, and I like have you know spent like even though you don't have the orchestral music, <laughs> that soundtrack. I love how that was a selling point when they announced it. It's like, and it will include the orchestral oh, soundtrack, which the original, um, like the original composer, would basically try to tell people shut up and appreciate it because they were going for that old school feel, but everyone was like, this sounds awful now. It was, see, what it, what it did was it was like that in the middle feel where it didn't have the lo-fi charm of like an SNES soundtrack and it didn't have the... <sighs> it sounded too Sega Genesis is what you're saying. Well, no, well, like it didn't have... <laughs> Someone's going to hate me for that. It didn't have the sort of the just amazingness of say a I don't know amazingness is the word the emotional quality didn't have the emotional quality of a Final Fantasy soundtrack or the depth it didn't have the real nostalgic bend of an SNES soundtrack or, or that that sort of chirpy chiptune it was like in that dark zone in between where these are like realistic sounding MIDI instruments that your ear can tell aren't real and there just wasn't it just didn't it didn't hit that like like I think I think a Final Fantasy 7 soundtrack right and you think of the Aerith theme Aerith whatever Aerith 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 not Aerith um, I don't care what purists try to tell you anyway whatever it is Whatever, like you think of that 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 tune. Um, and this is the music. I'm just music nerd coming out of me. It made really good use of the limitations of the MIDI format that it was created in, and still managed to have emotional impact and poignancy. Where I feel like the similar things on the Dragon Quest Eleven soundtrack just sound cheesy and like 
Honestly, some of the tracks that I've heard do have a bit more of a generic tune to them. Yeah. Because like you bring up Final Fantasy VII, and the first thing that actually comes to mind is the reactor music. And the reactor music really takes advantage of the MIDI sound because it's this weird electronic-ish, like... Right. They knew when to lean into, and this is just like a Baroque-inspired, like a German Baroque orchestral soundtrack, but it's MIDI. Yeah. And it's just like, no, no. It's like, this sounds like something you'd have in RPG Maker on the PlayStation. Anyway, that's enough about a game that came out like a year and a half ago for me. And, and it's coming out in like two, two weeks, weeks for you guys. Uh, uh, three weeks. So, okay, you know what? You have Link's Awakening being remade. <laughs> Link's Awakening, there's another remake. So speaking of things that aren't remakes, the thing that has grabbed me in ways I didn't expect it to grab me. Uh, much like you might expect the President of the United States to grab you. Uh, oh my God, why'd you <laughs> take it there? The no, my dad's gonna unsubscribe, man. The is control. Have you, have you touched control yet? <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> or has uh, control touched you? <laughs> Okay, so I'm pretty sure you can probably come up with a better analogy <laughs> unless this is roping into telekinesis somehow. Otherwise, this is a pretty bad segue. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, we're just talking about what's going on, and this is just something that... No, seriously. I have not... So, most of you listening to this podcast know I'm, you know, like a dad and stuff, and I'm limited in time, especially to play with an M-rated game. So what that usually means is that I race to the finish. I like maybe like dabble in the world building stuff a little bit, but if it's a game that I'm only going to get to play in the wee evening hours I have by myself, it usually ends up being a race where I can get to the next game. Control is the first game in I don't know how long that I have felt been compelled to explore every side mission, look for collectibles, explore the map even a little bit aimlessly at times. First games uh, is God of War, you'd say? Probably, yeah, probably even a little bit more than God of War in some of those aspects. Um, where I didn't get that far into the side mission stuff in God of War, and then I beat it, and I never went back to the stuff I thought I was gonna go back to. Um, Whereas this, I'm really... You haven't said you haven't played it at all? It's arriving this week, it okay. should be. It's... It's so the... It's a paranormal thriller. If you like stuff like Fringe or... X-Files is what you usually X-Files, yeah. I, it feels more Fringe than X-Files to me. Um, I can see that. And... Uh, and sort of... So you're in this, this building... Um, the building is under attack by this psychic force. You're immune to it, and certain some of the, the people, it's this organization that deals in the paranormal, and they have all of these great departments, the Department of Parapsychology and the Department of uh, Ritual, uh, what is it? Something ritual, like, you know, uh, and, and all these other things. I can't and, help you. I, I forget what it's called, but anyway. <laughs> And what makes it great is the building just feels alive and it feels real. Um, 
And it's, it's a little bit... A lot of people toss out Metroidvania. And so I'm I about to say to it's it. a little bit Metroidvania, but not... Well, because what comes to my mind when it comes to a 3D game inside of a facility with a lot of these, you know, unlock power, unlock these doors kind of a thing, makes me think of Resident Evil. So that might not be precise either. So, okay, so I know, I think there's an aspect of Resident Evil, but what makes it different from Resident Evil is that you feel powerful as the protagonist. Hmm. Where I think the original Resident Evil games were always about making you feel closed in and like you were always in danger vulnerable. from, the, but you're always very vulnerable. Where in this, you're very powerful, you're up against very big odds. Um, the game's not perfect. On the PS4, there is a lot of slowdown when you get a lot of particle effects going on. Yeah, I've heard that. Because you're basically, part of your power set is there's aspects of the building that are destructible. And so you are, you know, pulling walls out and turning them into a shield to block enemy fire. And then you are taking the same bits of wall and shooting them at an enemy with your psychic powers. And yeah. you're moving around and there's, you know, a dozen enemies on the screen and you're tearing the building apart and all the particle effects and the destruction and everything else, yeah. it gets a little See, let me, let me explain what I think has been going on with this game. Because I think I'll... Because you and I have known about it. We saw yeah. it announced last year with Sony and I, stuff. I saw it. And I was always hyped up for it. I was like, this looks like it's going to be good. I wasn't sure I'd be able to get it immediately. And I was going to hold out a bit, but I succumbed to the temptation of spending money. And Amazon had it for like 50 bucks, but they were like, this isn't going to ship until like mid-September. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. I can wait that long. And then it's like, we moved it up. It's shipping this week. And I was like, oh, great. I'm not done my other PS4 games plural yet. <laughs> um, this is probably going to take priority. I'll be honest. But it's so good. That's and I think that's what happened. Like, what, however much Amazon had in stock, people had it pre-ordered, but then the reviews started rolling in, and then the word of mouth started rolling in, and all of a sudden, this game out of nowhere, people are like, "Yo, man, Control is really good," and people are like, "Wait, Control is really good?" Everyone I follow on YouTube is telling me Control is really good. <laughs> oh my goodness, I need to buy this game, and now Amazon's like, "Wait, what the heck? This is an obscure Remedy title. Nobody plays those." <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, they haven't made a great game since Max Payne! <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's what... <laughs> I think that's what makes it what makes it work for me, is that it's not... It's not like an Ubi open-world game. It's not... We're seeing a comeback to linear games, man. Right, it's not... Was, well, it's, it's cool, though, in that it's... It's not strictly linear. Um, like a Resident Evil or Metroid. Right, where once you start unlocking the building, you start running into side characters and other things. So like, for, for example, last night I was playing and I see this hole and I'm like, can I get down there? So I look and I can see that there's ledges that are accessible all the way down. So I go down the hole and there's all this, as I go further and down, there's all this growth. All around, I'm like, what the heck is this? 
I, I come into an area, an open area, and I see soldiers there, and I'm like, oh, is that the... Usually this, when you just come into an open area, you see soldiers are all possessed by the psychic force that's assaulting this facility. Are you and about no, to give us a spoiler? This is not a spoiler. Not a and there are there friendlies. Really? Yeah. There, there have been... For there are, you will exper- you'll encounter friendlies periodically. And then I run into a, a, a quest giver down there who's giving me a side quest that I could have totally missed if I did not happen to just be like, where does that hole go? Um, Now maybe the game later will will wheel me back into, I would have gotten to there eventually, but it's just, it's so there's a a little bit of non-linearity, but it's just the right amount where it's always pushing you forward, but it's never pushing you so hard that you miss things. But it's also not so gentle that you get lost. Yeah. It's really well balanced. So I'm looking forward to playing that, and which means I'm looking forward to that being a game we actually do a spoiler cast for. Yes. Of all the games Finally, we yes. Because we did Devil May Cry 5 long after I had beaten it. Um, and we were going to do Caligula Effect, but... And then you just completely tuned out of that at some point. <sighs> I'm like 25 hours in, and I... I felt like I didn't like the party that I had leveled up. And so, this might be a difference between Overdose and the original. Well, I had to keep swapping characters to make sure everyone was evenly leveled right, up. Right, and so I was not evenly leveled up, and so I did like two hours of grinding and didn't Ooh. save. And then, my, my, my kids have been really good about not messing with my Vita, and then one of my kids got it. and. Switched to Sonic Racing Transformed, quit out of Caligula Effect without me having saved. Oh. And I just was like, I could not bear to go back into that game and grind for two hours. Oh, no. Again, to get caught up to where I was. Oh, yeah, that's gonna be wrong. Like, that's the kind of thing that's like, well, I've done this game forever. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. I'm done. Like, and, and doesn't uh, Overdose has like an auto battle feature or something? Is that right? I found out late into the game, yes, way too late for it to matter. Um, it would have been very nice to have for all the enemies I fought that were just in singular form, formation, I should say. And right. It would have made it a bit less tiresome. Even on the harder difficulty, but especially though, like, because in a boss fight, I'm like, why is this boss fight so hard? Why can't I command that character? What's going on? Oh, I accidentally hit auto battle. And all auto battle does is it tells the other units that aren't the main character automatically what to do, which is use your most basic attack. Don't use any strategy. Okay. So it's... It, so it works fine on, right, like, like I would need to, like if you're grinding and just yeah. like killing individual mobs, but... But otherwise... Um, so but that Caligula effect spoiler cast is not coming anytime soon. Maybe I'll get back to it. No, not that anyone was really hoping for you're, I know everyone's like sitting there, No! No! So what game is this again? <laughs> but, um... <laughs> no obscure Japanese game! So I saw you had a couple of demos downloaded, but I want to talk first before we try and get to a middle ground... Um, I did stop playing Fire Emblem Three Houses in favor of Astral Chain. I'll get to Astral Chain eventually. Um, Fire Emblem Three Houses is probably the best Fire Emblem. Did I talk about it before? Uh, Maybe maybe we touched on it a couple weeks ago. Because it's probably the best Fire Emblem in a long time. Or at least if you've... 
if you're like me and you've been playing since Awakening on the 3DS and you played all the 3DS entries and dabbled in that Ambassador Program Game Boy Advance one, then yeah, Three Houses is probably the best in a long time with one downside. If you've played Fire Emblem before, play it on hard mode. I'm playing it on normal and it is way too easy. Oh, you just sold me on it. I'm like, ooh, it's easy. <laughs> exactly. It's interesting. Like, I, I, I tried to write something up, and I might still try and write it up anyway, in that it's got the school elements, right? So it's kind of like Persona in that regard. But from my perspective, it's by putting you in the teacher position, what they're kind of doing is forcing you to look at every unit as an individual rather than as a unit type. So if you remember Final Fantasy Tactics, your characters have names and stuff, but otherwise, it's about, like, I'm going to make this my fighter. I'm going to make this my... And you usually do that based on some of their inherent stats. Like, if they have good faith, you want them to be a spellcaster. If they have good bravery, you want them to be a physical fighter of some sort. Um, with this, the class thing tries to have you do one-on-one -on -one instruction to boost specific skills. Every character's got goals. And if you look into their stat screens and rosters, which you're encouraged to do so before you even choose which house you're going to make, like, is going to be your primary one. Uh, so it's kind of like Pokemon starters, but with houses. Um, you have characters that will have special stats. So, like, my, the, uh, I chose Blue Lions. Dataway is a big, bulky guy that, if you use weight, he gets a status boost. So you start looking at, okay, well, what does this character have? What does this character have? Oh, Felix, he, he gets boosts if he doesn't have a battalion equipped. So I'd rather him not have a battalion, whereas every other character's got battalions and stuff because it helps them boost some stats and everything. Um, so you have these little individual elements. So now I'm looking at each one individually, which I think they kind of wanted you to do in prior games. Because every character would have like their own unique abilities, and when you use the relationship mechanics, people could have child units that kind of combined those unique stats and abilities into one super unit. And that was what the child mechanics were supposed to be, but because everyone hated the writing and the relationship mechanics, people just didn't do any of that. Or they didn't think too hard about it, they were like, this writing is awful. And especially in Fates, it's like, why am I de dealing with some temporal paradox in order to have kids that can fight? <laughs> so it's... Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. It, it was weird, but with, with Three Houses, it's very interesting how this school system thing, by having you focus on each individual student, get to know them, uh, have more dialogue and everything. And even though the writing is so good in this one, um, which is really unheard of for a Fire Emblem. You don't play a Fire Emblem for the story. And even the characters are very trope-heavy. They're designed for Tumblr fan art kind of crap. Well, I was going to say, that's I've been seeing like the, the, the fan art and the memes have been strong with this one. With Three Houses, they still are, but... So something I really like, again, like let's talk about the Blue Lions. There's some real world building in this. Like, the library has legit, like... Here's the history of each noble house within every kingdom. So lots of like optional reading if you're a real lore hound. But even if you don't bother with that stuff, like in Blue Lions, you'll find out like dataways from a race that uh, try, like was manipulated into some insurrection 
that resulted in the death of Prince Dimitri's father, the old king, his brother, and some other people. And you find out Felix is a total racist against Dataway. Ingrid slightly racist against Dataway. Um, Interesting. Syl- Sylvian, I think he's not an elf, but he's got an elfish name, and he's the, he's the ladies' man kind of guy. Um, he is actually a lot more than he lets on, and is basically like, like he just talks straight up to Data. And of course, Data is like, because this is a Japanese game, Data is like, my people were awful. Why are you so kind to me and everything like that? He's super loyal to the Prince Dimitri and everything. But like, there's these elements where you get world building through the support conversations. And when you go in through the story, it's kind of surprising to find how some of these elements play out. Like, I found out something important about Dimitri through support conversations between him and Sylvian, or Sylvain. Um, so, but that's also part, like, what am I talking about so far? So far, I'm just talking about the social stuff, the teaching right. stuff. That's because that really is the bulk of the game. And I'm trying to do battles for, like, the paralogs, which are kind of side quests. And then, of course, the main battles. But the end result is I'm so overleveled. Like, nothing is that difficult right now. And even when I was evenly leveled, nothing was all that hard. So I, I, I reached a point where it feels like I kind of got a little bit stuck in a rut. Hmm. Um, which is I could see coming with another game that I recently got. But before we get into that, have you gotten to play the Oninaki demo yet? I have not. You have not. I was hoping we'd both be able to talk about that. No, sorry. Because yeah, I think I've been playing a more games total than you have lately. Yeah, let me think about just real quick. So what were you what playing is, before Control? Um, Destiny. Uh, 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 no, wait, let's see. I, we're not going to torture our listeners with that again. I, I, I was going into the back, dipping into the backlog a little bit. I was playing a little bit of The Last Guardian. Mm. Did you ever play that? Um, like I said, I was also doing some... Big uh, Kitty. What's that? Well, Big Kitty Dog Fox thing. Yes. Um, I was doing... Uh, I mentioned, I think, previously playing through some of the older Kingdom Hearts game and some really getting an appreciation for Birth by Sleep. Um, yeah, you mentioned that, I think, last time. Yeah, last time. Uh, on my Vita, I've been playing... After I just gave up on Caligula Effect, I've been playing uh, East 8, The Lacrimosa of De- Dana. Oh gosh, you got that. Yeah. It's funny what quirky JRPGs you'll get, and I'll be like, nah. I actually, I, so I'm like, uh, my my East loving goes back to the... <laughs> Is that really how it's pronounced? Yeah, like, like it rhymes with fleece, East. <laughs> Because I remember being a kid and seeing copies of it, like, why is it called Wise? Wise. East. East. Okay. And um, it goes back, I forget which one was released. No, PlayStation 2. There was one on PlayStation 2 I played. Um, I can now remember what it was called for the life of me. And then I got, I started getting it with, some of them came out on PSP. So I started getting it for PSP, and I'm just sort of, it's sort of like a, it's, for the most part, the series is a hybrid between sort of Final Fantasy and Legend of Zelda. Where there's some aspects of the Legend of Zelda where it's more action-focused, it's, um, 
maybe not even Zelda, there's, there's some other just more general action RPG stuff in there. If you go way back, it's clear they were trying to make something that was Zelda-like but different. Yeah. Um, but then it's, it's way heavier on the RPG elements than Zelda. Um, a lot of the stories just have a vaguely, they're usually more localized. Um, think something like Final Fantasy XII, almost. That I think usually, I usually mean by localized. It's yeah. It's usually you're in the there. It's, it's non-linear in that like I forget. You know, four takes place before before three, but after five, and you know, like they just there's just all of this guy's random adventures basically. Yeah. But um, it's a it's a really fun little series. Eight is different. It's like they tried to modernize it. There's all kinds of you're building a settlement while exploring this uh, island and it's uh i haven't gotten too far into it yet but you're you recruit lots of different characters that are all shipwrecked on this island and you're trying to escape but you're also trying to solve the mysteries of the island and all this other stuff so it's uh, you know i've known some people to play it. some about the visual aesthetic for east eight does not interest me but the upcoming Yeast 9, I've seen some of its visual aesthetic, and I'm like, oh, this actually looks interesting to me. I'll have to sh have you seen any of the trailer? I haven't yet? actually seen anything for Yeast 9. I'll have to see about this. I'll have to see if I can send some to you. Um, it's probably not probably not coming out for Vita, so we'll pour one out for the uh, the Vita. Yes, the poor Vita. Poor Vita. Um well, live the Vita. Speaking of games that would have been on the Vita, um, in fact a blend of it. So I did start the Oninaki demo, demo. Okay. And I want to support Tokyo RPG Factory. I really do. I like I Am Setsuna. I like Lost Fear. Oninaki was interesting, but it failed to really make a positive impression. I think what helped Oninaki in a lot of ways was I don't know, because I started playing it and it was interesting and I knocked the difficulty up to hard because the normal was just too easy for me and I was like, well, let's see what hard's like. And then I got to the first boss and the controls are finicky enough that what I think is supposed to be the dodge button didn't dodge. And from what I've spoken with with someone else, it seems as if Maybe it's just very finicky. Like you have to be doing nothing in order for uh, like the dodge doesn't cancel. Yeah, well. it doesn't do like a good cancel, and so I'm fighting the first boss, and I had to do three tries in order to get it right. Even though part of it is just okay, there's no real dodge. Some of these attacks could really use a dodge. Um, so I went from that to months ago. I had pre-ordered when I had the Best Buy discount still, a game called Crystar. We're talking maximum weeaboo JRPG quirkiness here. Would have been straight to Vita in, in like in. three years prior. Um, instead it is a PS4 game produced by, but not developed by, Fudio. Same company as Caligula, Caligula Effect. It is also Maximum Weeaboo. It is Maximum Weeaboo. This one is just like Oninaki, is an action RPG. And like Oninaki, Reincarnation features heavily into the story. 
But, and this isn't going to mean anything to you, the story of Crystar, which on its surface you could is like, okay, it's about cute little underage anime girls. Well, no, 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 one is a college student. So that, at least one of them is lethal. But, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, but it seems to be one of the first stories I've encountered in a while. That's like, we're going to take the dark the dark, you know, juxtaposition of cute and dark that Monica Magica had way back in, like, 2012 or so. Which, again, you, you're like, I have no idea what this is. Okay, yeah, just, just, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to apply that to something new. Hmm. And the thing with Monica Magica was it was, like, take card capture Sakura and Sailor Moon, that kind of a thing with magical girls, only make it a, like, a devil's contract. Like, oh, you're going to help save the world and you're going to defend people and yada yada. And then it's like, no, you're actually cursed. And it's this weird thing with Genurobuchi and nihilism and all this other, like, these things that he loves to implement. Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche's, like, those who become monsters quote. Like, he, he loves touching on that stuff in all of his creations. But it's... Huh. It's a very smart show that naturally means a lot of people think it's overrated and pretentious, but it is a very smart and good show, and Crystar seems to be one of the first creations going for some one of the same things that actually gets it and knows how to execute on that. So since I've never seen, what was it, what was the show again? Monica Magica. Monica Magica. So I've never seen that, if I play Crystar. It'll all seem really new and inventive to me, like, oh, they took this trope and they flipped it. Or you'll oh, play it and you'll sort of smart. Or you'll sit down and you'll play it and you'll be like, this is a pretty hot topic. Or or I'll, or I'll yeah. Or I'll think Which so I'm I, I, this Sunday I went to the mall with my niece. You know we had a good time. We went to the Colonial Arcade. I don't know if you've been. You should take Titus there at some point. Um, but I took her to the mall and I'm going and she loves hot topic, of course. We're looking yeah, around. I saw the first day of school pictures and kind of assumed, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're walking around and stuff, and at some point I, I stop and I'm like, "Huh, Hot Topic's a women's store now." Is it all girl stuff? Technically, no, but you can tell it's the primary demographic, especially in that all of the mannequins were feminine-bodied. All of the employees were also women. Really. And it was definitely far more radio-friendly rock and metal than when 20 years ago I was shopping there and everybody was like piercings in the face, spiky dyed black hair, and the music was like... Yeah. They're playing Opeth, Meshuga, and Shai Halud. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really... It wasn't like a, a prime store for me. I feel like I went in there to like get band shirts at some point, but yeah, but it's those are definitely a minority at the point at this point. Um, it was interesting uh, going in there though and having that realization. But I mean, hey, yeah. at the same time, I'm walking around. It's like it feels closer to when I was in high school than when I went back in college. So uh, I mean, uh, hot topic. Hot topic um, is that is a hot topic, and also Crystar is maybe a little bit hot topic. Yeah, but like, is it more like old hot topic or new hot topic? Uh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is action RPG. It has a dodge. Well, I don't want to call it a, a dodge cancel, 
because it doesn't always cancel. But it is an action RPG that's very simple and yet very entertaining still. I think what I realized the other day, though, going through its second chapter, is it has a very limited number of maps it uses for each chapter. And in order to make to create variety, it just closes off gates and certain pathways. So you have to go through the map a different way. So what effectively you are playing is a action RPG dungeon crawl that changes very little and has a lot of repetition. So it's, it's kind of like the uh, Destiny seasonal content then? Probably. <laughs> oh, burn! Burn! Um, at least this was on a budget though. Right. <laughs> but that, that's the thing, like I could see this game, I like its story a lot, I like its writing. Um, see, I that's the kind see... of stuff I can usually forgive. If we, usually, okay, things like I have a hard time forgiving music um, because you're going to spend, if you're gonna, especially with an RPG, you're going to spend like 30, 40 hours with something. Like, the music better be on point. Um, I'll tell you right now, the music's not exactly stellar, but it is also good enough. Like, I'm going to be honest, with a bunch of the games that I've been playing, I was thinking... I should get something okay. that sounds very, 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 very 99.9% similar to use as background music in our podcast, but totally not the actual thing. Is here's all right, here's my will you find yourself singing the songs or humming the songs and not hating yourself for it? That doesn't happen to me often these days. Okay. So like for example, Persona 4 is a game where I like always was after I stopped playing like even the little stuff like uh, Tanaka's what is it there's like this TV show uh, and it's a it's a um, shopping show it's like Tanaka's something or other and it's got this theme and it's just once a week you can call into Tanaka's whatever it is and order discounted weapons or I or bundles of items and stuff like that. So just like every now and then that theme plays, but then it's just there. It's in my head forever. You're washing dishes and you're like bum, oh, and bum, they're singing bum. something in Japanese. Dun, 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 dun. They're singing something in Japanese and I don't know what they're singing, but because in Japanese. Um, <laughs> but the translation is here comes Tanaka over the airways to you is what it puts <laughs> in the like the caption, but anyway, so that's kind of one of my yeah. The East sound, the East, that's one of the great things about the East games, and the soundtracks are always great. I was actually going to ask about that because Falcom games, like I've heard some Falcom soundtracks, they're pretty metal. Yeah, it's metal. They're pretty metal. Um, the funny thing, actually, one of the reasons that, so okay, when I first got done playing Crystar the first night or two. I was like, okay, this reminds me of Monica Magic, but also reminds me of Occupus Beat, Gravity Rush, and I think some... Did you say Gravity Rush? Gravity Rush. Part of that is the music. Mm. The first chapter in particular has got that sort of piano tune, and the sort of Tim Burton art element in the first chapter, combined with the piano, 
that helped remind me of Gravity Rush. Now, Ooh. the gameplay and the story like- are nothing like Gravity Rush, but that creates an atmosphere that's going to be a little but, bit reminiscent of Gravity Rush. But if you just, if just, all it needs to do is remind me a little bit of Gravity Rush, though. And there, there you go. Uh, ah. So what we're saying, what I, so Chris words, is going to have me buy this weeby Japanese game. <laughs> and that was not my intent coming in. I was like, yeah, Steve's never going to play this. But the more I think about it, it's like, you it's know. It's an action it, RPG. I like action RPG. It might actually be a good Vita game because honestly, each chapter doesn't take that long. I don't think it's going to be a very long game. So... Yeah, get back to me on that. If it's sub-30... I'm definitely expecting sub-30, but we'll find out. We'll find out. Because next thing you know, like, the the, the dungeons by Chapter 8 are, like, absolutely huge each floor. Or they increase... Because right now, the, the pattern is each chapter has three different levels. Each level consists of three different floors. And that's it. And then you go, you complete the chapter and you unlock an optional mission, which is just a single floor. So it's not very time consuming. Like mm. you could finish a chapter in one night, if not two nights. So it does so sound like something that would have been great on the Vita. Yeah, it would probably like you probably be able to do well enough um, playing it on your um, with the remote play. Yeah. I, mean, I can play Destiny on remote play. I can probably play as yeah. long as well, what, what's what's on what's on the touchpad on the Vita. Um, it depends. Each game developer gets to decide. So one of the things that makes Destiny work really well is they flipped it. So there's the rear touchpad and the front touchpad. Yeah. So a lot of games try to make R2 and R3 on the rear touchpad, which sucks and is annoying, and I hate it. Destiny makes R, or, or sorry, no, R2 and L2 on the rear touchpad. Destiny is was smart, and they made the L1, the L button, and the R button on the Vita, L2 triggers. and R2, the triggers. Okay. And they made the the, the touch the or the zones on the front touch screen into L1 and R1. So you throw grenades and melee by tapping the screen, and you shoot with the triggers on the Vita. Okay, because my my concern was that the character swap is relegated to uh, the D-pad. Oh, it's got a D-pad. Oh, it does? Yeah. Oh. The Vita has two analog sticks and a D-pad. And why can't you emote on the Vita? Because it uses... The some some games use the D-pad as a modifier for buttons. It's complicated. Mm. Oh no, yeah, ah, well, it's complicated. Okay, well the the thing is, we'll look. I'll look into what the V the what the the, the remote play controls are for Crystar. It is currently a sixty dollar game. I don't know if I would most recommend games, it to you for sixty dollars, but most games, yeah, I might have to wait for that. Most games basically use the controls flat. All the controls map. D-pad, analog sticks, L1, R1. L1 and R1 are your left and right triggers, and L2 and R2 are your your rear touchpad. All right, so we'll, we'll see. If so it's, it might if actually it's be primarily a face button. Usually games that are primarily face button focused are great on remote play. Yes, it is primarily face button focused. I know it uses the, at least one of the triggers for special abilities. Okay. So it, it does have that element to it, but otherwise, it should map really easily to uh, Vita remote play. So I think 
You could enjoy Crystar. We might talk about Crystar. Yeah, we'll talk about Crystar. Well, first um, we're going to talk about Control when you get that. You definitely. Well, I'll, I'll definitely not only have that, I'll probably beat it way quicker. I won't be surprised if you and I beat it by the same day. I mean, let's be honest here. It's possible. I'm pretty far. I think I'm pretty far. You'll pro- Okay, actually, you'll probably beat it before me because what I've been working a lot on is Astral Chain. Oh, we have to talk about Astral Chain. I need it. You kind of do. I actually felt bad I didn't bring my Switch. Not that I would have had time to demonstrate the game. Uh, we do. We need to pick a night where I can just come over and I can demonstrate this game to you, man. Because, oh, it's fun. It's good. Um, and it's weird too because it's not like it, it feels. The best way I can describe it in some way, when it comes to mechanically, the best way I can describe it is like Wonderful One Hundred One. But I still haven't played. You, you, you did not get to play uh, Wonderful 101, and also currently like the only Wii U game I care about that hasn't been ported to Switch. Now that Tokyo Mirage Sessions is coming in January, I gotta get it again. <laughs> um, just like I'll buy Xenoblade Chronicles a third time and it's not beat it probably. <laughs> <laughs> I um, saw that. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like. Man, I was like 50 hours into that game, <laughs> and I never beat it. Like <laughs> I got Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I don't think I took the shrink wrap off. Ouch. So, it's because it's like, because you know it's this huge commitment. It's this huge game. It's like, do why you would you fear, think? Do you have a fear of commitment, Chris? I do. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's why Fire Emblem Three Houses is incomplete. Judgment's incomplete. I've moved on to other games already. Uh, no, Astral Chain, though... Because um, it's, it's, you're not focused on combos. You have like an att- a melee attack button. You have like three different kinds of weapons, but all you do is like mash the attack button. What it's about is how you sync up with your legion. Your legion being the big alien monster creature thing that you are chained to. Um, the titular astral chain. So, like, one of the basic moves you can do is you can wrap it around enemies, and then you unlock abilities in your skill tree so you can, like, hit the L2 button and you sink and you do these better, more awesome moves. And every one of your different Legion monsters, which I've got four out of the five, and I'm more than halfway through the game at this point, you get some degree of... Like, you get... All these different element, all these different moments that you can do these special. Like, if an enemy is swinging and about to connect, and then you call your legion out, it activates a special attack. If you execute a perfect dodge, as they call it, which is kind of like how Bayonetta has perfect dodge, then you'll have an opportunity to sync with your legion and unleash a special attack. And sometimes these attacks lead into other attacks. I don't completely understand what determines what leads into more attacks. But I'm getting better at that because that's where the real attention focuses. You're not so much, and like now I've got like big bulky bruiser guy. I, what I, one of the things that I like to do with him is when I'm in the middle of a crowd, he's got an ability that automatically binds enemies in a chain. And then I'll use his ability that breaks him from the chain and he just goes berserker, bring up my sword guy, and then me and my sword guy are just going crazy. Interesting. Um, so there's like different options. In one case, I bound an enemy, uh, did a bunch of stuff. Then I uh, brought up 
Bruiser guy had him go berserk, and while he was distracting the enemy, swapped to my arrow guy, uh, go into the first person, well, third person arrow mode, where you kind of sync up with your legion. Like, there's everyone's got like a sync up mode, um, and then like I uh, slowed time and just headshot, headshot after headshot, <laughs> sent him back so he could recharge his ability. And then um, the sword guy's got something similar to, like, it's a light version of Metal Gear Rising, where that had, like, the cutting of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mostly use it for puzzles, but in combat, if you use that, you can slow down time. And while an enemy is swinging, you can slice their attacking limb and stun them for a bit. So there's all kinds of different possibilities in combat outside of the combo system. So... It's probably not as deep as Devil May Cry is, okay. where there's all kinds of mechanics that you just don't know about. But you're at the like, same time, you're like switching like the the mode of the from fire to ice, and then you're like you have a whole different combo set for ice. Just one weapon. Fire, just one weapon. Just one weapon. <laughs> on a I character, mean, on a character that's got four different modes of attack himself already. Yeah, they're right. And the aerial so, combos are different than the ground combos, and with one weapon. So it's like on yeah. paper, technically DMC Five is still the better action game, but Astral Chain has that accessible element to it that, in some ways, can help people think. And also, it's just like. It's different. No other action game feels quite like Astral Chain. And what adds into that is the fact that they lean heavily into the fact that you're playing a cop. So like the, the level I just played, which is a really long level, like that's the thing, like it's got, I think up to 11 missions. Each of these missions is at least two and a half to three hours long if you're trying to get everything. First time through especially, which it's funny, it told me, it's like, oh, we've decided to set you to casual difficulty, which is actually normal difficulty. Right. You can unlock the platinum difficulty, but it's like, clearly, the platinum ultimate is meant for when you go back and replay and try and get yeah. everything. Because each of these levels, like, there's stuff you cannot do because you don't have that legion yet. Okay, so right. it's so clearly it's like, like like every so platinum new game. New game plus. To yeah, like every platinum game, it's designed so you go back with uh, later legions and stuff, and like redo and play on a harder difficulty to get. Like it is a game meant to be replayed. Um, platinum is very good with that. Like if you play Bayonetta or Wonderful One Hundred One on a harder difficulty, it's going to change enemy placement. Like you will find like on the normal difficulty enemies that appear at the end of the game. Once you boost that difficulty up, they're showing up in the start of the game. Right. Which means they expect a new game plus. They expect you, it's like, here's a normal playthrough, this is teaching you the basics. This is teaching you everything you need to know. Now we're gonna really challenge you, and we're gonna like test everything that you know. Like, the, it's an interesting method that they do it. Hmm. Um, and National Chain's no different, but National Chain, like right now, again, like it feels like nothing I've really played before. Well, it's still feeling familiar. Again, it's got the Bayonetta, Bayonetta Dodge, it's got the, um, the the Metal Gear Rising slash hack. Um, you can tell by the walking animation, this is probably running on Nier Automata Tech. Um, <laughs> and it, it makes sense considering this guy was the gameplay designer um, of uh, Nier Automata. Right, so that's um, obviously so. This is now his big game, his first game that he's directing. And dude, this guy's he's gonna be a name in the future. Between Nier Automata and this, this guy's gonna be a name in the future. 
I, I really um, need to. Once I finish control, I'll think about. And I have a job. Yeah. Assuming I you, have a it's job. It's official because it sounds like it's getting there. Oh uh, yeah, I, I have a job. I just I haven't started yet. I just so um, haven't started signing. When you're the getting papers. paychecks. When I'm getting paychecks, yeah. Um, because this game is, is and again, like they lean into that police at policeman aspect because like you'll go into environments where you're just helping people. Like I'm walking by and and I think I, I oh did I link it to you? I know you would have seen it because you read Penny Arcade. And there's ship this week that was the reference to Astral Chain, where it's like, hey, can you help me with this jar of pickles? Yeah, sure. Big monster just slices the jar of pickles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I, you know, I, I read that and I chuckled. It's like, yeah, I understand what, yeah, that's pretty accurate. I understood that reference. I got it even more that day when I'm playing When you the played mission. the mission where you had to have the giant monster slice the jar of pickles. Not this one jar of pickles. But when you when a kid's like, oh my balloon's up in a tree, and you're like, okay, so I'm the monster, raw snatch, and it's like this big stylish thing. It's like, holy crap, I'm just grabbing a balloon from a tree, and it's like not even ten feet high. It's like eight feet high, and it's like just this big raw thing, and it's like that's awesome. But no, that that's. <laughs> But that's the thing, you're helping kids get balloons out of a tree. You're doing this random quest where a little girl's like, ah, I dropped my ice cream cone. So you gotta grab an ice cream cone and try not to have any of the scoops fall off, which I failed hard at. Partially because the controls are weird on a pro controller because it's like the icon it shows is for the Joy-Cons. So it's like, you use the Joy-Cons to balance the cone. And I'm like, I don't have a Joy-Cons, I'm on a pro <laughs> controller. So, um, but no, it's funny because yeah, I still had at least one scoop for the kid and therefore I was able to succeed at the, uh, but, you but just... there's, there's like these optional, like instead of achievements, they have these optional things that give you rewards. And one of them is for, like, it doesn't specify exactly what it is, but it's pretty clear. It's like, uh, deliver the scoop of ice cream without spilling any of the scoops or deliver a uh, stack uh, right. of ice cream. Let's, let's call it a stack of ice cream. Nice. But no, Astral Chain is off the chain. It's off the chain. It's crazy. Alright, so so far... It's a game of the year contender. So, so far from what we've been talking about, Control is from my end, that's a that's a must play. Um, the, the cautions on Control being technical issues... Yeah, I've heard about that. And some... Some of the encounters... Like... Some people have complained about difficulty, but there are also people that needed to knock uh, Darksiders down to easy, so I don't really trust their opinion. It's not, things. I wouldn't say it's difficulty. It's sort of like, like, so for example, when I the last time I played, I wanted to warp to a new, to one of my zones, and you kind of feel like the places where you warp to are sort of safe zones. And then I'm like, oh, there's an enemy here, let me shoot him. And I have my this one gun where you charge, it's like a Destiny fusion rifle where you charges and then it, yeah, and it releases. Um, and then just obliterates whatever you pointed at. So I know what gun I'm not using. Uh, well, it's unlike <laughs> the fusion rifle, you can hold it for, like it gets to fully charged and you can hold it a little bit longer if you need to, to aim it and then it fires on release. Okay. So it's not like the fusion rifle where it's just like, uh, I hope you appreciate those sound effects, audience. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> um, anyway... Should we try the Mega Man charge then, sound? And then, anyway, so but then like... 
out of nowhere, I get like hit with a rocket launcher or something. And this like whole place is just filled. I literally just spawned in there warping from another location. And I'm just like completely mobbed. So it wasn't like a difficulty issue. It was just like a... Like, you feel like you See, should... that's gonna be something that I don't like, because one of the nice things about Resident Evil, right? Mm -hmm. Until certain points of the game, if you clear a part of the mansion, that part of the mansion is clear. Right. Then you hit, like, big story point, and now there's big lizard creatures in the mansion. But otherwise, it's like, once you clear a spot, you clear a spot. It seems... It seems like it's not... It's, it's a little bit random. Like, it seems you can be walking through, like, maybe there's some kind of counter or something. I don't really understand it, but it seems like you can be doing a lot of exploring and backtracking and not run into anybody. And then, all of a sudden, you'll walk into a room you've been to five times, and now there's enemies there again. So, there, I don't know yeah. exactly how the mechanic works. There's something that will sometimes place enemies in rooms you've previously cleared. Uh, it feels like thematically, so part of the whole in your control is you claim control points, which are, I guess, areas where the these barriers or whatever between our world and other worlds are thinnest. And so you claim these control points and cleanse them. And it feels like, and then that's where you fast, that's your fast travel point also. Now I know why you like it. It's a single player version of Control from Destiny. Yes, that's it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but anyway, so it feels thematically like these zones should now be clear. You should be able to fast travel through these zones and never encounter an enemy where you have cleansed and now have control, but that's not the case. So that's, there's just little gripes like that. Um, As you said, the slowdown, because even the PS4 Pro version has slowed down. I was hoping there would be a patch before it arrived, but... I think it's just... It's you the, think Remedy's just not that good at engineering? Well, that, and the level of... I don't think there's too many games that have this level of particle effects and other things all going on at one time. So it just might be a little bit heavy for the PS4. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, obviously, there's always ways to optimize it. Um, but the, the physics and all that other kind of stuff, because you've got, um, you know, for example, there might be a sniper hiding behind a railing, and then you're pulling the concrete off a pillar that's next to you, and you're blasting it at a destructible railing that the sniper is hiding behind, which is then, you know, destroying that, while another enemy with psychic powers can also be tearing apart them, their part of the environment to shoot that at you. And so I can kind of understand where when you when you move from just like gun shoot, shooty gun, to like this thing that is cover and or ground you can stand on and other things is being pulled apart and split into 20 pieces to be fired as shrapnel across the room. I'm understanding of why it's slowing down. It's just it's slowing down. Yeah. But anyway, we should now we should start we, wrapping up. I think wrapping up. Uh, I'm just trying to think though. It's like of what's coming out because as I said, like we've been playing a bunch of stuff. I haven't finished Judgment yet. I haven't finished Fire Emblem Three Houses. Been playing something else on the PS4. working on Astral Chain. Working on uh, the it, Crystar. Now I got control. I just had coming. a really I had a really fun Iron Banner in Destiny Two. <laughs> I don't just. 
Shut up. It's no. It was like Shh, nobody cares about Destiny Two anymore. Except for the millions. That's the of, only thing I'm not really. I keep forgetting that's coming out. Except for the millions of people playing Destiny. I keep forgetting the the expansions coming out. I don't care. Iceborne just came out for Monster Hunter. I know about that, but I'm not playing Monster Hunter anytime soon because even though Nolan just bought it. We should get on Discord so we can talk to Nolan outside of PSA. I know, I know, I know. But, but it's... <laughs> I, I don't understand, like... I just so... something special. Apathetic about it at this point. Well, you're gonna have to... There's so many games that I'm playing. Like, like I, at this point, I'm realizing, like, I can't... Because next Friday is Damon X Machina. There's no way I'm getting that. There's no way I'm getting oh, that. Damon X Machina is coming out next Friday? Yes. They're released. They, they they talked like yesterday. They released a demo with save progress that carries forward. I think I'm gonna have to hold off on that. I'm definitely getting Link's Awakening the Friday after that. This is the thing, like this is like a triple threat from Nintendo. Oh, next Friday, Damon X Machina. Oh, I guess maybe no, no, no. Then the Friday after that, Link's Awakening. Oh crap, really? And then the Friday after that, Dragon Quest. And then there's stuff in October. I know I got the Outer Worlds in October. There's yeah. Luigi's Mansion 3 at the end of October. Thank goodness it's the end of October. Yes. But I know there's at least Luigi's something else coming the direct. out. I know, because this is exactly the problem with the direct. Well, fortunately, most new stuff they we talked about most of this, We talked about most of the stuff on the direct. Yeah, like Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I'm so psyched, but it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm buying that again in January. Also, Akiba's Beat was Get like $5 Akiba's on Vita. Beat. Akiba's Beat, so I picked it up for like $5 on the Vita. Have fun. <laughs> I mean, I'll, 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 I want to make a video about it, so I'll eventually replay it. But if you ever... Actually, another friend of mine picked it up for cheap, too. Huh. Yeah, I guess it was like, hey, this looks... Anyway, sorry, you said Tokyo Mirage Sessions again, and I, I kind of have... Tokyo Mirage is a better game, I will say that, but... Sort of have um, in the same broad category. Sticking. Oh my goodness. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles is looking gorgeous. They're going to really re-release that. Um, what do they? What else did they announce? Oh yeah, the SNES Online now. Uh, Breath of Fire. Stunt so Race Effects. I'm assuming you never played Stunt Race Effects. I never played Stunt Race. Effects. Most people didn't. I remember we rented that all the time. It's probably not a very good game. I played it a bunch. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna play it at all five frames per I second. I never played Yoshi's Island. Uh, I never played it too much either, and I didn't like going back to it on my 3DS. So I, I um, might. might they got Breath of Fire. Okay. Yeah, the 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 SNES Online is interesting because they have some games that are yeah. to the SNES Classic, other games that are, that actually angered me. I'm sitting there like. There's no way to hook up my SNES Classic controller, is there? But you can buy for $30 a wireless SNES controller, and I'm like, you guys stink. I'm gonna totally buy it, too. I'm going to totally buy it. Well, because I need something better to play the NES games on, too. I was trying to demonstrate but my- But you can only get those in pairs. What? Can't you? The NES controllers? Because you need them. I don't know. Well, I'm just thinking in general, like, I was trying to demonstrate my Mario 3 prowess. <laughs> and uh, to my children, and I only had the like Joy-Con with the analog stick, and it was so bad. I still, I dude, I beat the 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 stick ship, the like in World Eight. That's why I always called it the stick ship. Oh my goodness! The one where there's like all the little ones. I beat that 
with the stupid analog sticks on the thing, but then I got uh, the castle. The castle, the, not the castle, the fortress. The fortress in World 8 is where I got a game over. Not Bowser's Castle. Not Bowser's Castle, the... It's one of those levels... I beat it once on Super Mario All-Stars. Oh, really? Because uh, yeah. you're you're a couple years behind me, so for me, Super Mario 3... Oh, it's not even that. We rented Super Mario Bros. 3, but we never got to own it. Okay, yeah, I owned it. I didn't have that many games, and so Super Mario 3 is one that I played all the time. Super I Mario played... World I got to beat, and I actually got to beat all of the special world, too. One of my one of my main bragging things that I do is brag about how I beat Super Mario 3 without losing a single life. I was like a proto speedrunner back then. I got well, that's what it was. Well because I I knew the quickest route to get I had to get the the P-wing, one P-wing, no two P-wings, one cloud and two whistles. P-P-wing. <laughs> Sorry. The, <laughs> I had whiskey. <laughs> yeah, so that way I could use the cloud to skip the fortress. I could use the P one of the P wings to skip one level, the other P wing to skip the stick ship, as I called it, and then I could basically like have an easy road to Bowser's castle and win the game without losing any lives. Yeah, Bowser on my first try, I'm the best. He's also not very hard in that one. No, he's not. Because it's like, what, you, you got to duck when he drops or something like that? Yeah, Except like, for the last one. The last one you can't do that because then you would die too. Right, yeah, you got to jump out. But still, it's not like... Uh, but it's like they make it easier because like you can just duck. Well, well you can't just right? duck. You have to... No, you have to you have to get out of the hole. You have to get out of the hole? Because in order to make the hole deeper, in he, he stomps into the hole. There might be a way that if you're lined, depending on how you're lined up, where you can like get him to jump. And I don't know. But yeah. I wish I still had that Nintendo power. We tossed a whole bunch when I was younger and I regret it. Some people, like their parents tossed away comic books and they regret it. Me, my parents, we like we just recycled so many Nintendo powers and I'm like, I would have had such a collection. One of my favorite, th I don't know where it is, it was a PC World magazine. <laughs> and I had the PC version of Final Fantasy VII that had oh. the... Stop. Um, that's why I played it originally, okay? That is, really? Yes. That is the game that got me hooked on Final Fantasy. That made me, I bought Final Fantasy VIII on PC, which was a really bad port. Um, and then I went back and got like all the other ones via emulation. And that just came out this week. Yeah, the eight remaster. I want to play that again. Oh, I have a special gosh. place in my heart for that game. Deadly Premonition. But I, heard I they, don't care about Deadly Premonition. I know yeah. a lot of people do. You know, I heard in the Final Fantasy eight remaster that Renoa has less visible cleavage, so I'm out. See, when you're not on Twitter. <laughs> You don't have to be a part of this trash. You don't have to care. You don't have to know about it. You don't have to I, I, care. I think I saw it on Kotaku, so, you know. Why do you read Kotaku? I don't know. We should probably just end it on that. I read Kotaku. It's on that awful, awful revelation. And Polygon. Oh, you're so terrible. You filthy SJW. I am. <laughs> I don't this, really read. This is Kotaku anymore. in action. So. I don't really read. Oh my god! 
I don't really read any gaming news sites anymore, I'll be honest. I just... Granted, I probably should now that I'm not on Twitter, because it's one of the... Every once in a while, between all this stupid drama, you'd be like, oh, here's a headline of, a headline of some actual news. And it's like, oh, stuff's happening. And then the half industry. of the games journalism going on nowadays is just like... Press posting about Twitter. Somebody like, Yeah. Eurogamer posts about Twitter. US Gamer has a clickbaity headline that see one of the few accounts, if you are on Twitter and you're not gonna make the wise choice of deleting, follow Saved You a Click Vidya. It's a version of Saved You a Click, but for video games, where they just in one sentence tell you what the article's about. And usually the headline is something along the lines of like this so and so like like Hideo Kojima has a surprising cameo in Control and it's like he voice he does the Japanese voice of a scientist. Oh wait, that's Hideo Kojima. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. I know exactly who it is. <laughs> but that's I, I the love thing. that. Like, I love those sections. They're these like these tapes you get that guide you through this like. The uh, extrasensory stimulation, and you get in this tank, and this voice talks to you, and it's like the weirdest stuff. <laughs> like the one is like, like the one is like, like there's a dead body there. Why don't you touch it? <laughs> and at first it says it in Japanese, and it says it in English, and then you touch the dead body. Why did you touch the dead body? Now there are dead bodies everywhere, and you're like, what is happening? It's like, oh, I can't, I can't remember the actual one, but I guess it's bad. It's like, non or something. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, only actual Japanese. Like, well, I, it's great. It's great the way they do it, though, because you hear the emotion and the inflection in the Japanese speaker, and you're like, what is happening? And then you hear the English speaker explain it to you, and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that's Hideo Kojima, and that's the thing. Though, like this article's headline is like, "You won't believe what game developer makes a cameo." Blah blah blah, and it's like going to be like ten paragraphs just for like one little factoid. Oh, that's the worst thing about the internet. Yeah, it's kind of like this podcast. We had like ten paragraphs for like play control, play Astral Chain. Maybe you'll like East Eight. Maybe, maybe you'll, you'll like Crystar. And there's uh, too many there's games. Too many coming. games coming out. Okay, listen to this part. Skip to the end first, and then listen to the rest of it if you really think you need it. Or just stop listening to Steve in general, especially when he talks about Destiny. Play Destiny. Don't play Destiny. All right, everybody, have a good night. Good night.